Look at my butt. Show number 246 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Kind of low-key this week. Well, welcome, butt folk. Yes, welcome, and also Merry Shatmus, as I was reminded by our good friend Maynard, who said, yes. uh, have a, a very, very Merry Shatmus, and has a picture of his shirt and his tree that's decorated with all his Kirk stuff, which is very, yes. very nice. So. Yes, um, I asked Maynard if he would marry me so I could move <laughs> to Australia. He uh-huh. sort of dodged that question, <laughs> but I love him anyway. He's a wonderful person. <laughs> yes. So, um, listeners, we're going to hope my voice holds out. Yes. I've been, I've been kind of hoarse, but you know, we'll do the best we can. We will. And I've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. So maybe it's good. more me talking and you just going, uh-huh. And pretending like you are listening to me. So and if I good. get too quiet, everybody just pretend I'm nodding. <laughs> <laughs> well, my goodness, uh, we have some newsy stuff to talk about. Um, and one one gift, which I would really like to open right now. Yes, open with opening. Okay, well, this came from Amazon in a, <laughs> in a large envelope, and I don't know what it could be. So, Wait, did you see what the address was that I, I sent it to? Yes, it has my address, and then it says, do not open till LAHB, which was very, very, very funny. Well, I put that as like the second line, and I thought, that's how you'll know it's for me. Because, you know, this time of year, people get a lot of packages oh, from Amazon. I know, including stuff I myself have ordered. So, um, yes. It says, a gift for you, Mary Shatmus. Thank you so much. And look, it's Command Gold, whatever it is. <laughs> how nice. Oh, this looks good. I think I know what this is. Let me okay. open it a little bit more out of its plastic bag. It's clothing, by the way. Yes. Can hear me ripping the plastic open. <laughs> it's a really good shade of gold, by the way. It, oh, it's very good. like screen accurate gold. It's not yellow. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, this is great. <laughs> it's a sleep shirt. Yes. It's an official Star Trek Ladies Command sleep shirt. It says "Keep away from fire." Right at the top of it. Hmm. I don't know about that. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, yes, you know, always keep these things away from fire. Wow. This is very nice. Oh, the patch. It has the insignia patch on it, which is um, sort of uh, shiny. It's it's very, Ooh. very shiny. And the black oh, part, it's sort of felted. Ooh, this looks good. And it's very soft. I think this will be extremely comfortable to sleep in. Oh, good. I hope so. It's great. Um, I, I have to tell you, I had some assistance from some guy who really? I had, yeah, you know, sneak around and find out your size for me because I could guess, you know, but well, sometimes looks, that's not so good. Yeah, so. no, this looks very good. It looks like it will fit. It looks very comfy. In fact, you could almost wear it as a dress. Well, that's what I was thinking, you know. Well, I'm going to try this on later and see what this actually looks like with maybe some black leggings underneath it. That might be yeah. cool. Well, well this is great. Thank oh, you great. so much. Thank well, you. originally awesome. I was going to try and get the pajamas, and all I could find was pictures of them, <laughs> you know, but nobody actually selling them. Yeah. So you you got a sleep shirt, and I hope it will be as warm and snuggly as you could possibly wish and bring you 
Sweet Kirk Dreams. I hope so. Well, your your other gift of sleepwear, the Wonder Woman um, pajamas, that's what I wear <laughs> most of the time in the summer. Really? Before, yeah, before it gets too cold to wear them, because <laughs> you know, it's just, it's kind of light cotton. So now I will have <clears throat> um, a, a second set of sleepwear from you completing my collection. <laughs> Well, at least this year, it wasn't socks. (laughs) But as you see, I am determined to keep you warm. Thank you. Well, this is awesome. Thank you very, very, very much. I can't wait to try it on. Yay. Awesome. Well, there will be a gift um, from me to you that it's just not available yet, but it will be Mm. soon. And as soon as it is, I will do it. It's it's an internet-y sort of thing. Right. Okay, great. Leave it at that. Yes. I will be looking forward to it. Yes, I I think it'll it'll be good. Um, let's see. Oh, well, I, I made a list, you know, and the first thing on the list is that we needed to talk a little bit about the last episode of Discovery, which I well, watched about a month ago, and I don't really remember that much from. <laughs> all I really remember is the end, which uh-huh. I think is the relevant conundrum. This is but, correct. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm not going to bother to do the recap. It was basically wrapping up a lot of things and uh, getting some closure on some of the storylines with, you know, people surviving, which was good. I was glad the Admiral didn't die. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the one thing about that episode that really uh, bothered me as they went through it was that it was so, um, what do they call that, lampshading? When, when it was like, you know, we've got one last jump. That one oh, last yes. Jump. Just one you- more. One more and the guy's and so all... weak, you know he can't do it. <laughs> I know, but they kept saying it over and over again. It was like, yep, this is it. This is the last thing I'm going to do, and then I'm going to go do something else. Okay, everybody, okay. this is our last jump. Here we go. Everything's right. going to be fine after this. I was like, shut up. Just do it already. Stop saying so, that. So just refresh my memory. Where were they trying to go on the last jump? I believe that they were just trying to get out from um, wherever they were, which was pretty far out there, right? Where the the, yeah. um, the Klingon stuff had been happening, back to okay. like a star base, just back into okay. the space. Okay, all right, all right. Yes, but, and yeah, for it, those of you who haven't seen it, spoiler. Yeah, um, they don't um, make it back there. They go somewhere else. Uh, that's right. It's, you know, but um, the, the guy who does the jump i can't remember his name again i know the actor name which is unusual for me but not the character name Um, his name is stamets stamet stamet with an s stamets okay stamets like you know falls apart what two-thirds of the way through and Mm -hmm. they spin out of control and they get somewhere and they look at the view screen and and uh and captain Lorca says where the hell are we Mm mm-hmm it was. It reminded me very much of several TOS episodes where they go somewhere else, and Kirk's like, "Where the hell are we?" It was, mm-hmm. a, it was a very Kirk moment. So um, they closed with us not knowing where they were, except that they were in a giant debris field. Yes, did not know where the debris had come from. So of course, speculation is rampant. Where are they? Are they in our universe? Are they in a different universe? Uh, was it a timey wimey thing? And are they, you know, in the past or in the future? And one thing that got pointed out, um, and I will mention it just because I hadn't caught this at all, you know, as they were doing all the, um, throughout the episodes when they were doing the jumps, especially when they had to do the, what it was, it like 131 or something, uh-huh. there, was, there was a shot of the screen showing like, you know, number 98, number 99, and, and you uh-huh. could clearly see it, like you could read it. And in this episode, when they were about to do the last jump, the last fateful jump, you briefly they showed the screen and 
um, the captain, Lorca, pressed something and it said, override. Yes, I, I, I did see him do that. Yes. So, so I think he was, this is my theory, is that he was interfering with that, the destination where yes. he wanted to go to wherever the, this whole season has been leading up to. Mm-hmm. Correct. So it's unclear whether they ended up where he expected to. So in which case his surprise is, is feigned, you know, he's pretending that this isn't what he was expecting or mm-hmm. something really got fucked up and there's somewhere else that he doesn't actually know. And I guess we'll find out in the next episode. Or one more option. Mm-hmm. They did end up where he was expecting to be or close to it or something, but he was not expecting the destruction all around them. Mm. Also, also very, very possible. Yes. So it was. I thought it was a good way to end everything. You know, it was mm-hmm. good. I, I wish they hadn't spent so much time on the. You know, oh, it's just one. He was going to retire next week, and you know, he got he got shot. Um, it, right? It was just like one of those. You know, damn, he's yes. just about to retire. Um, but he didn't die. And I, they did some little clips at the end that were like, you know, on Discovery coming back mm-hmm. in January, and they showed him, and they showed some of the other people. So. Nobody's dead, which is good. I was glad they didn't kill anyone off. Well, there was a little Easter egg mm-hmm. that, as far as I know, I am the only person who caught it. What because it? I posted who caught this, and nobody did. It was, remember, okay, before the last fatal jump, or fateful, <laughs> um, Stamets said to his husband or lover, I'm not sure if they're married or not, um, we are going to go to such and such a place and we are going to go to the opera house and we are going to see La Boheme. Remember Mm -hmm, that? mm -hmm. Anthony Rapp, the actor, the thing that brought him to a certain level of fame was he played the lead originally in Rent, Uh which is based on La Boheme. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Oh, well, that's sweet. That was nice to throw that in there. Yes, and and it was just for me. Well, we uh, January, I believe January eighteenth or mm-hmm. something is when it's coming back. So, now I'm. Oh, yes. go ahead. No, I was going to say I, I'm waiting, and I haven't seen anything much online. Like nobody's been dropping hints. There haven't been any pictures from uh, the sets or anything. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're going to start publicity. Maybe they're going to wait till January before they kind of gear up for it. Um, the thing I'm wondering is this fateful jump that got them to who knows where is that the incident or or where they end up is that where the incident that all star trek fans are familiar with takes place i don't know i i still have been thinking about that since they said it and after reviewing the first part of this season, I am concluding that that didn't, whatever they're talking about hasn't happened yet because there was nothing in the first season that was the thing that all Trekkies are supposed to know. Right. So if it is this, that there's all this, this debris of ships, did they say they were Klingon ships? I think they did. I could. I think so too. So, um, are they perhaps in the, um, are they in the aftermath of the explosion of Praxis? Hmm. Could be. Because that probably took out a lot of ships, right? Yeah, yeah it could be. I mean, it, it could be so many things. Oh, I know, but I'm just trying to think, 
you know, based on what little we know, what it might tie into. Because I was really holding off for this, that they're at the, you know, the edge of the galaxy where the place where Gary Mitchell, you know, got his silver eyes. But yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I kind of think that's not it. But they are obviously in the, in the debris field of either a battle mm-hmm. or some incident that destroyed many ships. Yeah, I mean... Who it could be anything. I mean, it could be the doomsday machine. Right? I just thought that. <laughs> they meant a lot of stuff in TOS that was basically capable of blowing up planets and ships and stuff. So it could be that. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. We'll just have to wait and see. We will. So uh, if we do hear any good theories or if we get some teasers for the the series we'll certainly be talking about it but um i should probably google to find out when exactly the series is coming back because they said it and i've forgotten it i think it was january i think they like moved it up but i could be wrong yeah speaking of discovery yeah uh, sorry january 7th there we go oh oh all right just to tell you so yeah not too not too far away sunday january 7th so everybody that's not bad yeah We'll still be, you know, fat and lazy from all our Christmas cookies and <laughs> yummies. This is true. Okay. Moving on. Uh, more about Discovery. So there were um, some good articles, and one of them, um, well, we'll just ju- jump to the end of the list because um, yes. I wanted to talk about this. So you found this really good article at sci-fi.com, uh, which is about the called The Problem of Gatekeeping in Star Trek Fandom. And I thought it was a really good article. Okay. Did you want to talk about it or do you want me to just jump um, in? Get started because uh, my computer's being a little fritzy or my browser <laughs> is. So you get started. I will jump in. But I did think that was a very interesting article. Yeah. Well, it was basically talking about how um, Discovery has sort of, um, it would seems to me too, that people kind of either love it or hate it. And there's a lot of people who are objecting to discovery because as they say it's not real star trek Mm -hmm. and so the author of this article was saying that uh show's really popular it it got a renewal for the second season which is awesome Uh, a lot of people are very very excited about it but a lot of people um besides not liking it they're very angry about it because they think that it's not real star trek and that people who like it are wrong for Mm -hmm. liking it basically um, well, and this is a phenomenon we have seen when everything after TOS came mm-hmm. out, um, possibly with the exception of the movies. Mm-hmm. I think people kind of got on board with the movies, but they had our guys in them, mm-hmm. you know, but. Yeah. So it's, yeah, you're, it's, it's absolutely not a new thing. Uh, so here's, and we've talked about this a lot of times before the whole gatekeeping thing. This is a good paragraph. Uh, The woman who wrote it says, I've been called a lot of things because of my vocal support for Star Trek Discovery from a fake Star Trek fan to a shill for CBS. The words don't bother me. The mindset behind them, the gatekeeping of what a, quote, real fan is, does bother me. The fact is that some people, 
mainly men, are trying to tell those of us who are enjoying the show that we aren't real fans of Star Trek. And it is just it just so happens that the bulk of these fans, the ones who like Discovery, are women and people of color. Imagine that. Imagine that, yeah. And How so the next could that have happened? Yeah, she says, this type of gatekeeping isn't limited to Star Trek fandom. These toxic elements exist in pretty much every geek space. But one in of other Trek- words white men yes One of <laughs> okay. main values is diversity and embracing difference the type of exclusion is antithetical to what the show is about which is very very true um and so the rest of the article talks about how the show is far more diverse than any previous incarnation of star trek and you know acknowledging that there are issues with it the whole thing about continuity and you know, things that, that we've complained mm-hmm. about, but to go so far as to say that liking it makes you not a real Star Trek fan, like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Just, if you don't like it, you don't like it, and you don't have to get down on people um, for for thinking it's something that's good. And I am sure that, as you were saying, this happened with every incarnation of a new Star Trek show that came along, that it's not mm-hmm. really track. Um, and, you know, screw people like that. It's... It is. It really is. Well, I like, too, that later in the article, she refers to this as fan entitlement. Mm-hmm. And it's like every time they announce for any franchise, we are going to do such and such, or we're rebooting this or whatever, instantly this thing comes up with, well, you better not, mm-hmm. you know, do blah, 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 blah. And you better have this because it's our show. Right. And or, or or my show, and if you don't please, <laughs> if you don't please me, then it's bullshit. And it's then you've ruined it. my life. Exactly, ruined um, my childhood even. But the thing is, you do not have to actually be a participant in fandom very long before you see or or become aware that there are always people trying to fit the the program, the characters, what into a specific box Mm -hmm. that they define and protect like we're the rustlers coming after their cattle or something you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's also really hard if you are very active in fandom to not get sucked into that mindset Mm -hmm. totally I, i was just thinking as you were saying that imagine if there had been the kind of fandom for the original series when the original series was on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and imagine how many people would have been writing angry screeds on the internet saying, you know, Spock was so different in season one and now he's got all these emotions and he talks to people and he mm-hmm. smiles sometimes in season two. You know, this is a disaster. How could they <laughs> change him so much? I want my Spock shouting and unemotional. Mm-hmm. It would have been exactly the same. Exactly well, the same. And the thing is, fandom, as involved as I have been on and off in various aspects of it, can still surprise me because it's certain things, uh, like the episode um, This Side of Paradise with mm-hmm. Miramani. Uh-huh. And I love that episode. I think it, for all the, the, the hokey, I am Kirok and everything. I, I, I think it's a beautiful episode, and I was surprised how many people go, that is the most unkirk episode ever. I hate it. I can't stand to watch it. I'm like, really? <laughs> so, you know, we're all filtering what we see through our own wants, needs, the special eyeglasses, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, some people are, are far too serious about it. Yeah. I mean... 
it's just a TV show. <laughs> what? <laughs> <sighs> well, I, I have to say that the people who are, are so negative, it's, you know, it brings nothing. It brings nothing to the table. If you don't like it, just don't watch it. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't go back and change those episodes of TOS for you. You can keep mm-hmm. watching them. They're on Netflix now. So just yeah. go, go and enjoy it. Um, what really made me laugh after this really nice article, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, the very first comment says, given what I have seen out of many Discovery fans, this article is obnoxiously backwards. Oh, yes. I remember reading the, the comments, but I meant to tell you to be sure to read the comments. With the first <laughs> one, since even well before it a- aired, folks like me who express concerns about the utter lack of continuity with Prime Trek have been derided, strawmanned, insulted, harassed, and even cyberstalked. Oh, so my God. I, so while I would agree that certain opinions are, quote, gross and, quote, dumb, I certainly have no intention of allowing this article's abject posturing to stand unopposed <laughs> well good for you <laughs> oh my god it's like how much rage did you have to whip up to write that you know and it I goes know. on that's just the I, first I mean, paragraph you could, you could feel him foaming at at the mouth and the steam coming out of his ears or hers but oh, you know it's so funny so uh, and there are more like that although there are a lot of people pushing back that just says um and, and this was a response to that. Somebody says, I don't know what these haters of Discovery want or expect. Saying stupid things like it's not Star Trek doesn't prove it isn't, and they should know the history of all things Star Trek before they just condemn an entire show and rip it to shreds, taking everything so literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, thank you very, very much. Yes. That was good. So, yep, I, I thought that was a good take on it. And um, I wanted to add on a couple things to that. Sure. Which was that I saw... Um, this really interesting comment about fandom in general, and I, I don't know if it was specifically about Star Trek, but I, I really liked it, so I'm, I'm going to read it. So okay. bear in mind that this was posted on Tumblr. It's sort of a stream of consciousness thing, but um, it again addresses some of the things we've talked about. I think it's a woman, says, the deeper I get into fandom, the weirder it is to me that these Joss Whedon-style nerd boys ever manage to convince people that the true fans, TM, are the people who memorize shit and lord their knowledge over other people. Like, okay, you know the exact dimensions of Batman's cave penny, sure. But did you survive the Harry Potter ship wars? Do you know how to customize your um, AO3 search to filter out all the creepy and or poorly tagged shit in the massive fandom? Have you ever gotten a fight over Super Hulock? Would you last more than 10 seconds on some of the online fan forums? Have you felt the burning pain in your fingers as you scramble to bang out just a hundred more words before the fic exchange deadline comes down? Can you do research to make your in-universe artifacts accurate? Can you vid? Can you edit GIFs? Can you sew costumes and do makeup? Like, yeah, okay, you love some people enough to know their backstory and all their stats, but I'm sorry, did you personally stitch what looks like over 200 eyelets onto your stockings so you could cosplay as Liliana Vess? I don't know who that is. Uh, (laughs) Fake geek girls, my ass. Get back to me when you can do something with the worlds you love other than memorize them. Very good. That last line, I was like, yes, that's exactly right. Do Mm -hmm. something other than just memorize them. Yeah. So I really, really, really like that. I thought that was nice. That Um, is very good. um, And let me just throw another thing. I'll just keep talking because I have all these things to talk about. Um, Before you moved, you gave me a box of Star Trek stuff. And one of the things in that box was a book that I'd never read called The Making of Star Trek Conventions. Oh, yes, yes. So I assume you've read that book. Yes. I mean, obviously it was some time ago since I moved seven years ago. But yes, I did read it. (laughs) 
so Joan Winston was one of the key features in early Trek fandom, and she and mm-hmm. other people organized the very early Trek conventions that happened in like 72, 73, 74 in New York City, and did a lot to make Star Trek fandom happen in those early days. And uh, she was an executive, not an executive, but she worked for CBS for a while. And mm-hmm. she had um, uh, some chapters in books that David Gerald had put together. Uh, one of them famously, Star Trek Lives, yes, uh, about her involvement in her visit to the set. And we had speculated whether she actually slept with Shatner or not. And I think mm-hmm. we agreed that she probably did. Yes. Um, and coming after reading those chapters in this book about the making of conventions, I'm like 100% sure that she did. <laughs> Given the way Bill interacts with her in in her descriptions, um, yes, so it, it's an interesting book because it really gets into the the nitty gritty, the fine details of what it was like to put on a convention. And I've done some convention organizing in my day, just from an academic perspective, and it, it rang very true to me. Um, what I really thought was interesting was a number one, almost all of the people involved in those early Trek conventions were women. Yes. You know, 90% of them, there were some guys who helped, but it was mostly women. And that number two, they weren't doing it to get anything out of it. You know, they didn't, they made Uh no money at all. Um, they sacrificed hours and hours of their lives. And in some cases they went in, not into debt, but they put their own money into it. Yes. Just to have an experience that people could have this fan experience and that they would, you know, get to interact with the stars and hear them talk and be educated and do the things and have all the things that we associate with cons, like have a costume show and have an art show Mm -hmm. and have a dealer's room and panel discussions and, you know, stuff that you could look at exhibits from NASA and things like that. So I was just really impressed with it and how um, they managed to overcome so much just for the love of doing the show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like a lot of incredibly, incredibly hard work when there were basically like maybe eight or nine people who were running a four-day convention that brought, you know, 10,000 fans to a hotel right. in New York. Yes. Incredible. Just incredible that they managed all that. Mm-hmm. Very true. And um, we've sort of talked about this subject a little bit before, but... It kind of, not just in Star Trek, but in our culture in general, the idea of doing something simply for the love and the passion of it is really being lost because if you can't monetize it, what is its value? Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the, the way of, of thinking now. I mean, like, you know, if you did this wonderful thing that turned out to be great and you went, hey, you know, anybody wants to join in, go ahead, join in. You know, like Jonas Salk giving away the polio vaccine. I've got that right, haven't I? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nobody would do that. Mm-hmm. It happens. I think it happens more online rather than in physical spaces now. People still mm-hmm. do a lot of, you know, fiction exchanges, for example, especially right. at Christmas time, and they'll create online communities like we used to have kind of where Mm -hmm. you can interact with people and and talk about the things you want. But it seems Mm -hmm. like all the in-person events that, that we've been to recently um, have all been, you know, like the creation cons, they're pretty much for profit kind of things. Mm -hmm. And even the ones that aren't, I don't know that they are, uh, they go on. So uh, I'm thinking of BassCon, for example, Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think they have anymore. I'm not sure. Maybe I haven't heard anything about it in years, no. but then 
I wouldn't have been, you know, looking for it. Yeah. That was a con that was done purely out of love for the show and out of love mm-hmm. for the fiction that went around it. And I'm sure that the people who put it on made absolutely no money and probably mm-hmm. lost money on it. And that was kind of the last in-person thing, aside from some of the other, um, you know, like the annotated, the complete works of William Shatner abridged, you know, that clearly they didn't make a lot of money on that, but that was right. done partly as love for Star Trek, but also love of performing and comedy and, and things like right. that. Right. But I'm thinking it's maybe, maybe I'm very naive. Maybe this was never true in the whole history of mankind, but it is not enough for some, beauty for its own sake. Mm. And not to get political, but this thing about selling off lands from our national parks and, and national monuments. You know, we're going to lose that beautiful thing. But the beautiful thing wasn't making money for anybody. Right. Yeah, I agreed. And I, I think that's been a lot of our complaint with the the Star Trek licensing, right? Is that they'll basically uh-huh. license Star Trek for any old shit, right? It doesn't have to be good or bad. And uh, it, it, I think Paramount is just... Um, they they don't see in a lot of cases the the beauty of Trek and that the love of it and they're just really they want to squeeze as much money out of it as possible and I think a lot of the people involved in Trek over the years have said pretty much the same thing mm-hmm. that that's you know it's it's incredibly valuable so they're going to get their value out of it no matter what yes yes and if you give it away free any aspect of it you're you're a fool mm-hmm. you know so reading the book was very refreshing in that way just to see especially mm-hmm. i think they said the, the first con that they had they got they expected you know 800 to a thousand people and i think they got three thousand people and mm-hmm. there were still people coming on the last day um who hadn't shown up known about it or shown up at the last minute and they still had some programming going on so they they just were like eh and they let them in for free well <laughs> I was like, you know, wow, that's amazing. That's so uh, cool. Well, yeah. Um, and, you know, I remember the first time I ever became aware that there was something called a Star Trek convention. And I'm not saying it was that specific first one. But after there had been, I believe, two or three of them, maybe. Or maybe it was right after that first one. There was an article in TV Guide about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I read that and I thought, what an amazing thing. I hope they will do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah. Little did we all know. Really? So I can recommend that book to people. It's out of print, um, but you can find it online used. It's not very expensive. There uh, there was a hardcover. The one that you gave to me is a paperback, and apparently it's missing some of the photos that were in the original one. But it, it's still good. It's very... It's funny and it's breezy. There's a lot about Bill in there that mm-hmm. I want to go back and, and read more carefully. And it's interesting that he was simultaneously uh, unaware of how crazy people were at that time. There are some funny stories about the first con that he went to. I think it was in 74. Um, they'd managed to book him. And it was at a giant hotel in New York. And he had been filming something. I think he was filming mm-hmm. Devil's Rain, actually. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, I know. And so he came up to do that and a few other things. And so they were waiting for him to come in. And they had people sort of posted at the secret entrance and other places. And they're like, OK, when Bill gets here, we've got to like hurry him through so people don't see him. And no one could find him when he was supposed to show up. And he just ended up showing up at, like, the press room. And everyone was like, how did you get here? And he said, well, I walked through the lobby. They're like, you walked through the lobby? What's wrong with you? And he was like, well, I just kind of turned my collar up. And they were freaking out, you know, because what would have 
happened if people had recognized him? They would have mobbed him and trampled him and probably ripped his clothes off. And right, stuff. but I think nobody was prepared, the, the actors, yeah. least of all, for the number of people who would be there, the frenzy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolute frenzy. And he did that one or two other times where they were supposed to like sneak him mm-hmm. in and he just ended up walking down the street and into the lobby. So, so there was that. So him just not quite knowing what's happening. But mm-hmm. then she mentions in a couple other times when he had to go up on stage. Uh, this, and this was the beginning of him doing his kind of stage thing that we mm-hmm. know he does so well now. And he was nervous. He was really, really nervous mm-hmm. before he went up there, like having to talk off the cuff to people. He was yep. scared that it wasn't going to turn out very well. Well, at one point, I don't know if it's in that book or if it's in something else I read. He said something about that first time or those first few times. He was thinking, what can I possibly say to these people? Yeah. You know, if they ask me about the show, I'm screwed Mm -hmm. because I don't remember any of that. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, his his thing, of course, it being the early 70s, he was saying he was going to have a rap session with all the, the people in the audience, which <laughs> I thought was cute. But even then, uh, he was really good at listening. Uh, Joan Winston specifically mentions this. When people were talking to him, he was really interested in what they had to say and would ask them questions and was really good with the little the kids who were there as well. Uh-huh. Uh, so even then, you know, he was... Interested, good interviewer, able to relate to people, not just reeling off stock answers to questions. And, of course, all the questions were new at that time, so it wasn't like we heard them a million times before. But it seemed like he really enjoyed himself at those early cons, which Mm -hmm. was very nice to to see, to to read about. And all the other people, too, who showed up. Um, It it looked like they were, you know, in, in the descriptions of them being on the panels. And, of course, at that time... Convention committee would take them out to dinner afterwards. So mm-hmm. I, I was just imagining that, like being on that con committee. It's like, oh, we're we're going to go out to dinner and we're going to be there with George and Nichelle and Dee and. Well, and I remember you know, people who were involved in early fandom who I, or you know, not quite that early, but you know, much earlier than I was, saying, oh yeah, you know, you could hang out in the bar with them at yeah. these hotels. Uh-huh. I know. So I kept, and the other thing I kept thinking as I was reading it was like, I wonder if Junk is going to get mentioned in here, but I didn't see her name because <laughs> she's everywhere. And I wouldn't have been surprised if she'd been yes, one of those yes. people very, very early on. Well, speaking of licensing, mm. something that wasn't on our list, but you and I um, are aware of it, is um, that article about those sex toys I sent you. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Um, apparently, some sex toy manufacturer is making not Star Trek sex toys, but Star Wars yeah. sex toys. Uh-huh. And they're things like dildos where the, 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 the dildo tip looks like a, a stormtrooper's head. Yeah. And, and, and uh, well, you can describe the other ones. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's the one I remember because... Uh, you know, I don't know that much about Star Wars, but at the end of the article, they were saying, so what is Disney licensing this stuff now? And so that, you know, maybe that'll be the next big, you know, court battle (laughs) since we got cheated out of the one over fan fan films. It's true. You know, it's funny that they did that, especially because um, 
the Lucas estate is so incredibly litigious <gasps> about these things. Oh, I know. Um, but that stuff belongs to Disney now. Yeah, it, it does belong to Disney. I don't but know. they're not exactly laid back about it either. No, they're very, very protective. Um, yes. The, the one thing that they had, there, there was, I think, uh, it was a butt plug. And it was very, very shiny and... Mm-hmm sterile and cold and it looks like it was made out of metal and i was like oh these things don't look very friendly That's no no you don't want those yeah no i guess if you bought them you might just put them on a shelf or something and <laughs> to people? I don't know. And let people think you're a real perv well yeah. i remember years ago you and i were having a sex star discussion on one of the early shows and we were saying you know we couldn't have star trek sex toys but there's nothing to prevent you from having a gold-colored vibrator made and selling it, but calling it the captain. Right, exactly. And everybody would know, mm-hmm. you know, what it was. Yep, there's a lot of shorthand you can use to get mm-hmm. around these things. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't really think they could stop you on. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, thank you for sending the link to that. It was <laughs> it was interesting to see it. And wasn't it in, it was like in uh, io9 or something. It wasn't like some weird sleazy site. It was like, <laughs> oh, this is what we're discussing now. Okay. Yeah, so this is today's right. topic, kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was at io9. If was I it? Okay. Link, I was just looking. Yep. And the the title of the article is "We have some serious questions about these Star Wars Star Wars themed <laughs> sex toys." Yeah, the the butt plug is gold, and it's got three um, PO's face on the bottom of it, which seems mm-hmm. super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, this kind of reminds me of of something that has nothing to do with Star Trek or Star Wars, but kind of sex toys. I had the um, the Colbert show on the other night, and he periodically will catch us up on what's going on with Gwyneth Paltrow's goop. Oh, my God. Goop, yes. And uh-huh. one of her, like, gifts for her Christmas list or whatever is some, you know, jade egg. And um, actually, and the actual description from Goop says something like, there is so much more to this than shoving it up your vagina. <laughs> no, there isn't, actually. <laughs> no, but he's got his own fake company called Coveton House. <laughs> and um, and they are selling a stick that you shove up your butt. And on <laughs> TV, he actually said, shove up your butt. Wow. <laughs> That's very funny. That's yes, very I funny. thought so. <laughs> oh. We've come so far. <laughs> oh. um, th- this art- I want to link to this article now that I'm looking through it again because the uh, commentary is very funny. So for people who want to look it up, it's called uh, Geeky Sex Toys. Okay. Uh, and you can go to geekysextoys.com if you want to look this up. Apparently, they've done... Uh, this company has done a lot of other stuff. They've done uh, Pokemon-inspired sex aids, um, Power okay. Rangers, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, they've got a, a dark side bondage kit that, I don't know, it just looks like kind of a standard bondage kit. Um, so are all these companies afraid of, you know, giving attention to this? I don't know. I mean, the, the, this was on, they have a Twitter, Geeky Sex Toys, and it was on there. And I'm assuming that um, io9 just found it in the course of their daily business. Yeah. These are, I mean, these are as close as you can get to saying that they're Star Wars without saying it. Like, they've got um, uh, a masturbator, like those 
fleshlight things that you stick mm-hmm. your dick into, and it's it's called the hand solo male <gasps> masturbator. Okay. And it yeah. looks like the piece of of uh, carbonite that hand solo gets put into. It's like you know, it's shaped like that, and it's got his little, uh, you know not profile but you know like his body that's sort of coming out of it and they also have a dildo that's called a dildota and it's green so it looks like yoda <laughs> that's right and in the commentary at least on io9 they pointed out that carbonite is freezing cold and yeah. why would you want to put your junk into that <laughs> exactly exactly and as you mentioned they have vibrators that look like uh characters from star wars so there's a dark yeah. vader one and there's the stormtrooper one and there's the, the 3po one so, so the question, it says, my biggest question is how on earth is this legal? Is Disney handing out licenses to sex toy makers? Note, they are not. Oh, they're, <laughs> made, they're made in Australia. So maybe, I don't know, it's far well, enough away that they won't want to do anything. No, not in today's world. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're made in Australia or, you know, Connecticut. <laughs> I will absolutely put in a link so everybody can go and look at these things because it's it's pretty amusing stuff. Well, yeah, thank you for, we for reminding me about that. I didn't mean to put it on our list, and I totally forgot. Well, that's okay because we haven't talked about sex toys in so long. It's true. It's very true. There's been nothing yes. really good. Sex toys are just, you know, it's the same old, same old. Nothing yeah. new under the sun, sadly. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Well, let's take a little break, and then okay. we'll, we'll come back, and we've got a bunch of news to talk about. Yes. All righty. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Better late than never. It's back. It's definitely back. So coming back uh, January 1st. Yes. Which will be very interesting. And it'll be a two-hour one that comes back on January mm-hmm. 1st. Yeah. Um, they're going, they've been to, been to, I have to say it in past tense because they've already done all this trip. Right. They went to Munich, Berlin, Lithuania, Sweden, Barcelona, Madrid, and Morocco. So, yes, two-hour season premiere, and it says there's a special preview episode slated for Monday, December 11th, following The Voice. And I'm not sure what that means. Preview episode? Like, just... Following uh, what? The Voice. Oh, okay. It's one of those... uh, Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, I didn't know about that. Yeah. So it says, uh, we follow their expeditions through seven cities and five countries as the group immerse themselves in different cultures while in each destination. From dining on outrageous foods to participating in Oktoberfest in Munich, riding camels in the middle of the Sahara Desert, or facing off against a bull in Madrid, these men take us on an adventure of a lifetime. Other series highlights include touring Morocco by motorbike, leaving their mark on the Berlin Wall, parasailing in Barcelona, getting lost in Russia, and much more. This is from an article at Forbes.com. Why they're covering this, I don't know, but they are. And it's an interview with Bill and with Henry Winkler. 
And it yes, has and then be- later, yes. if I may interrupt, they do uh, an interview with Terry Bradshaw and George Foreman. Oh, I didn't read that one. The separate, no, separate article. It came oh, okay. up, you know, like yesterday or something. Okay. I saw it somewhere, but I didn't have time to read it. Okay. The pictures are really good. Uh, there are a lot of hilarious pictures of Bill and company wearing lederhosen up yes. in the snow of the Alps, and they all look completely ridiculous. Um I want to know why Henry Winkler's lederhosen go well below his knees and Bill's are kind of well above his knees. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Bill. I don't know. It's not the most flattering look on anybody. Well, on any of them. I mean, you know. <laughs> the scenery looks gorgeous. I mean, there's this beautiful picture of them tramping through a field. It's like Sound of Music and there's the Alps and it's all gorgeous. And there are these old men wearing lederhosen. Well, did you see, I just put it up on our Facebook earlier today. It's actually long. It's like a minute or two, like a coming attraction for it. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, that. my God, it's hilarious because they're, they're all like individually running around this mountain singing the hills are all Oh, God. Great. I'm looking forward to that. All right. And Bill's very, eating very something good. very weird wherever they are. And, you know, just, yes. Okay. So this was a very funny interview. Bill and Henry are very, I mean, they're friends. So it's quite amusing and they're kind of poking each other from time to time. But here's some interesting stuff from Bill. Um, The question is, from the interviewer, what are your favorite travel adventures off camera? And Bill's first answer is my den, which I thought was pretty good. (laughs) Then his second answer, which is far more Bill, which is, now remember, this is Bill Shatner, who's, what, is he 86 now? Um, uh, yeah, that's 85, right. 86. He says, I'm taking helicopter lessons. Oh, so, yes. I remember so, this now. I'm taking helicopter lessons so I can go wherever I want. I have seven hours already and need 40 to solo. It's tricky to hover in a helicopter. A flight is like a car. Um, the three things. It's not like a woman? Well, no, it's not. <laughs> he does get to the horse analogy in a second, though. Oh, okay. Um, There are three things that you need to know. The technique of flying it, navigation, and the third is talking on the radio. It's like being on a high-powered horse. You've got to be absolutely still. So Bill's taking helicopter lessons. I'm sure his wife is thrilled about that and his kids as well. Imagine him in a helicopter. Oh, my God. You know, I imagine they all just kind of roll their eyes or shake their head and say, you know, you've had a good life, Dad, and do what you want. (laughs) Helicopter lessons. Yeah. Okay, that sounds really good. Um, well, you know, next summer he's going to wrestle a tiger. That's <laughs> like getting to be the only thing left. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so here, getting on to his more serious part, the, the interviewer says, what was the most meaningful experience that you had? And Henry Winkler says, my parents escaped Nazi Germany, and they were very tough, and I was never able to get through to them. They didn't understand what I needed or wanted in this world. They thought I should take over the family business. When we went to Berlin and I was taken on a journey, it ends up in front of a house where it turned out where my father and his brothers once lived. This is where they started the company that they brought over to America, and there is a plaque for every Jew that was taken. I looked on the ground in front of the house, and there was a plaque with the name Helmut Winkler, an uncle I had only heard about. I never thought I would have that kind of emotion about my family. Yeah. So that sounds amazing, and I'm really going to be interested. And then Bill says... For me, the high point was in Lithuania, where my grandmother's mother was born in a town where 70,000 Jews were slaughtered. 
when I came back to uh, Vilnius, they had arranged the town squares for some dances by both the Lithuanians and by the remnant of half a dozen Jewish people. I danced the horror in the city square, which had been the ghetto where they laid slaughtered the, the people who were slaughtered and dying of starvation. That was the high point. Oh. So that, I'm so anxious to see that because that sounds really, really, really good. You know, all the fun stuff aside, I think it's the meaningful things like that that are yeah. the highlight of, of any show. Yeah. I, can you imagine that? I mean, you know, I don't have, as, as far as I know, you know, anything like that in my family history. But, you know, to go to the, the spot where, you know, this happened or in, you know, Henry's case that, uh, you know, those people are all gone yeah. and not just gone like, well, you know, it was my great grandfather. So, of course, he died. This was, you know, just horrible. Yeah. So that that sounds uh, really, yeah, really touching and amazing. And um, yeah, I, I hope they have more of that stuff. You know, I think we mentioned mm -hmm. that in the last series that the funny stuff was funny when they were trying different mm -hmm. food. But the really good stuff was when they were interacting with people like on a genuine level or just talking about their lives and the experiences mm -hmm. that they had had because they're all interesting guys and it would be nice to get to know them a little bit more. And I really hope that they spend more time on that rather than eating disgusting food this time. Around. Yes, yes, yes. But um, yeah, do go to our, to the look at his butt Facebook page where I have posted that video and uh, you know, give yourself a little, preview of what's going to be coming up not not too very far away yeah not too long great. from now all right cool so that's that one okay now uh do you want to talk about uh tarantino or please stand by let's talk about please stand by first okay. and my first question is how did we not know about this <laughs> while it was being made I agree. I hadn't heard of this at all. Um, and it's a real movie by, a, like, you know, it's not an, a little indie movie. It seems like it's a real movie with a real star, Dakota Fanning. Yes, it is a movie. It's called Please Stand By. The headline says it's about a Star Trek fan going to great lengths to share her story. And it says the first trailer's out. Um, and it was written by Michael... Golamko, who who based it on a one-act play he wrote. Never heard of that. Never heard of that either. But it stars Dakota Fanning as Wendy, an autistic woman who runs away from her group home so she can turn in a Star Trek script to a national competition. Her story sends Spock to Deep Space Nine, which admittedly sounds kind of <laughs> awesome. It does. It totally does. So it says it intercuts with what's happening in her life and some kind of representation of her script showing how much she identifies with Spock due to the way he processes emotions. Mm -hmm. And it also stars um, Alice Eve and Patton Oswalt. Yeah. And um, the trailer was good, um, although I, I was a little concerned about some of the, well, it, it's hard to tell what's happening in the scenes because mm -hmm. um, you, I don't know, like the, the movie. So it looks like she has this script and she's got a she's entering a contest or something and she has to get to LA to turn it in and for some reason she can't mail it i don't know that's not explained and so she goes there like she's hitchhiking and trying mm -hmm. to get to turn this script in and there were several moments in there where it started to turn into like a caper thing where oh no the script fell out the window oh no oh, i left it okay. in a coffee shop oh no you know it got stolen mm -hmm. by the guy you stole it's like oh do we have to do that can we please not do that mm -hmm. in a movie because i hate that kind of stuff all that fake setup and emotion when you know that 
you know, if the script got stolen halfway through the movie, then the movie would be over because that right. point of the movie isn't there. So I'm, I'm a little, just a little concerned that it would turn into too much of that rather than a focus on her mm-hmm. and her interactions with the other characters, which looked really interesting and good. Um, yeah, well, I, I'm definitely, definitely, now I'm doing um, Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. I'm definitely <laughs> interested to see it. Yeah. And uh, certainly to you and me who, you know, have been in in the deep, dark heart of fandom at times, it's not news to us that there are a number of people who strongly identify with Spock, autistic or not, mm-hmm. um, due to... Um, his love of science and his um, uh, lack of emotion or his rejection of emotion for whatever reason. So right. it'll be interesting to see what this is. And I also am just going, and it's a female. Yeah. That it's was a good. story of a female fan. Mm-hmm. So it was good. Uh, I also liked that uh, there was a very quick scene where she seemed to be cornered and Patton Oswalt was trying to talk to her and he mm-hmm. ended up speaking Klingon, which was the thing that she really responded to. Oh, wow. That's that was, a great idea. Yeah, that was really, yeah, really good. I haven't watched the preview yet, so that's really good. Yeah. Definitely want to see that one. Yeah. So, and it's coming um, out like in January at some point, right? Yeah. I think yeah, so. January 26th, it says. Yeah. If any of you know anything more about this than what we've seen, this was an article at io9. I think there was another one at, at some other movie site that didn't give much mm-hmm. more information. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, it's an awesome idea. And I'm I'm curious to see how they do the, the intercutting with the Trek stuff. So, for example, when you watch this, you'll see um, there's a scene of two people in mm-hmm. the uh, old style TOS spacesuits like the one from Tholian Webb mm-hmm. and they're kind of walking along a, a, a dusty planet looks like Vulcan and there's a lot of wind blowing and you can't see inside their helmets so of course you can't tell if they're Kirk and Spock but I think the implication is supposed to be that they're Kirk and Spock yeah don't, don't really know so if they don't have permission to use character likenesses or anything, maybe it'll all be done like that. You know, what are they going to do? I, I want to see. Yeah, me too. Wow. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks for finding that. This seems really good. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me that um, it's almost like the Star Trek franchise of uh, producing entertainment, of TV shows and movies has expanded now so that the movies are not <laughs> necessarily really part of the star, the official Star Trek universe. There are movies about the fans. Yes. And I was reading something recently about um, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> and I think it was one of the writers said, well, Galaxy Quest is basically about the fans. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, totally. yeah, yeah, that's interesting, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Oh, speaking of that, I know we didn't put this on the list, but um, mm-hmm. we can mention it quickly. The um, the Black Mirror episode? Yes. Did you watch the trailer for that? No, I'm scared to. It's okay. There's nothing <laughs> okay. wrong with it. But to me, and I, I posted this on our Facebook yesterday, the trailer seems way more like an episode of Galaxy Quest than it does an episode of Star Trek. Oh. So... It's, I mean, some of it's actually quite funny, but given that it's Black Mirror, I don't think it's supposed uh-huh. to be like a ha-ha, 100% comedy, right? There's going to be some darker horror elements right. in it. 
Um, but yeah, it seemed way more Galaxy Quest than it did Star Trek to me. So huh. I would like to know what you think when you watch it. It's very short. It's only about a minute Okay, long. I'll watch it now that, that you have reassured me. Because like I told you, when Black Mirror first came out a couple of years ago, I watched the first two episodes and they grossed me out. Mm. There was no grossness in this. It's it's all very surfacey, and I guess it's supposed to seem, uh, I don't know, creepy. It is creepy a little bit, but well, I read um, something about it. Basically, it's about this guy who has this very boring job at a company that I believe is called McAllister. Uh-huh. And so the the Star Trek like things are his fantasy, where he's the captain of a starship called the McAllister. Right. Having these that, adventures. Yeah, I saw that that was the name of it. It doesn't seem... So the main character is a woman, and um, it's all from her point of view. And uh-huh. she looks... Um, in, in the preview, anyway, she looks confused. Like, why am I here and what uh-huh. is happening? As if she's sort of been thrust into a world that she doesn't really understand. Uh-huh. I could be misreading okay. that, but that's what it looked like to me. Okay. So, yeah, it's okay. You can watch it. I give you All right. I'm, I'm, you know I trust you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the whole Quentin Tarantino thing. It's funny because you were just talking about that, I think, last episode or the one before, uh, about his idea to do City on the Edge of Forever as a movie. Yeah. Now, just this week, the news has broken that makes it sound like this is going to happen. Yeah. That he is going to write, possibly not direct, um, a Star Trek movie. And he has said he would, his interest now would be to do one where all the various series come together, kind of like yesterday's Enterprise, the, the TNG yeah. episode. Uh-huh. So that's the thing. And the terms he set down to Paramount or whoever was, it has to be R-rated. Yeah. And that they said, okay. Now, I'm wondering if this isn't one of those just false reports that totally got blown out of proportion. Mm -hmm. Because, first of all, them accepting his idea, and secondly, agreeing to the R rating, just doesn't... I'm not saying I would object to R-rated Star Trek, but it's just those... Tarantino and Star Trek are the most polar opposite things. Yes, absolutely. I I mean, maybe they're just so starry-eyed, like, oh, it's Quentin Tarantino. If he makes a movie, it's going to make a million dollars. A million Mm -hmm. dollars. A billion dollars. A billion. Shit, you know, people will go see it. So it's also not clear what the R rating means, right? It could mean a lot of things. It could mean language. It could mean sex. It could mean violence, although that seems a little more uh, common in movies that aren't Mm R-rated. So who knows what he actually means by it it has to be R-rated. Yeah. Yeah. All he said is that it's gritty. Okay. Um, The article Mm -hmm. that that you linked to at the Daily Dot was good because it says uh, it's This sounds like a terrible idea because Tarantino's brand of sex and violence is fundamentally unsuited to Trek. And also, J.J. Abrams already did this to Star Trek in 2009. And then it goes on to just rip Abrams' Trek apart. I know. And that's why I love it. They said, you know, 
Look no further than Kirk and Spock. Chris Pine's Kirk is an arrogant frat boy who treats women like crap and launches into an antagonistic rivalry with Spock. He's also motivated by daddy issues, a thoroughly overused theme among male filmmakers. They refer to toxic masculinity, uh-huh. and it's, it's it's everything we've been saying. So, so yay, uh, yeah. we love this They're not article. wrong. They're not wrong no. about that. Not no. at all. And then uh, they they point out this was done to to Batman to mm-hmm. Superman yeah. you know to all of these. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with all that. So, who knows what's going to happen? I was just thinking as I was reading this, I was wondering if I've ever actually seen an entire Quentin Tarantino movie, and I don't think I have. Oh, I have. have and you? I, I, I really like some of them a lot. Okay. I, I'm probably the only person on the face of the earth who liked The Hateful Eight. <laughs> um, and and um, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, Django Unchained. I love those three movies. And part of it is, oh my God, he writes the most fascinating dialogue. Oh, okay. And Hateful Eight is a very long movie. It actually has an intermission. Oh, but wow. The whole first half of that movie, there's not a bit of violence. It's all, it's these characters talking. It's complete character development through dialogue. Hmm. And I could, I, halfway through that first act of it, I sat there going, I, this is enough for me. You know, I could mm-hmm. watch the entire movie like a movie like this if it, if it was this sharp and if it was so focused on building these characters but then you know the second half everything's on fire and shooting and and all of that <laughs> but um yeah i i really like those three movies a lot mm. So I, I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb page, and yes, it is true, everyone. I have never seen a Quentin Tarantino movie. Really? Nope, I'm not not one of them. I've huh. seen pieces of them. I've seen pieces of uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh-huh. Um, I've seen pieces of Natural Born Killers. I've seen pieces of Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction, but I've never actually seen the whole movie. Pulp Fiction is an amazing movie, this I think. This is what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, wow, okay. Uh, so there you go. I mean, I I think if this gets made, and let's put a big if in there just in case, because you never know what's mm-hmm. going to happen on the, the journey from, yes, Paramount says they'll do it, to it actually becoming a movie. Uh, if it if it gets, you know, reasonable reviews, I would go see it uh, in, like, as opposed to any other J.J. Abrams movies, which I definitely <laughs> don't ever want to see. Yeah, yeah. Draw a line under that. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd go see it. I, I would if it if it yeah. wasn't like horribly you know gory and and gross and stuff. Okay. Well, um, what I'm gonna say is, I know, or I'm 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 assuming that many of you who listen to the show listen to the show. You're happy. That's great. You don't, you know, actually go to the the page where we post you know, the links to all these things really do make an effort to read this article and not just because it rips up JJ Trek, but because it really does dig into this um, phenomenon of taking these heroes and making them sort of frenemies or even enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it's a good read. Yeah, I, I thought it was very good. And, uh, you know, I, I like that they framed it as part of uh, a bigger thing that happens in movies where mm-hmm. they take stuff and make it 
you know, grimdark as is the, the phrase for it. And that's yeah. been a huge complaint, you know, that this is the, the biggest complaint about the superhero movies that are happening right now. I, I went to see Thor Ragnarok and I thought it was amazing. It was basically a comedy. Yes, know, I went and with, saw it. Yeah, it was great, you know, uh-huh. with the, the superhero elements thrown in and it was really funny and everybody was great. How could you not have it be great when there's Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum? So that is like back to sort of the the bright hopeful aspect of it even though you mm-hmm. know it's kind of a dark story and then you have the movie the justice league movie which did really bad which just kind of continues the the grimdark reimagining mm-hmm. of all of the characters despite the fact that the wonder woman movie was not like that at all that was you know bright yeah. and hopeful and and positive and had so many things to it so it it satisfies some creative direction for some people mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't seem like people want to see that anymore. They're kind of tired of it. Well, um, and they, there's a, a great little thing right in this article that I was just skimming across. It says, these filmmakers understand that stories need conflict, but they totally misinterpret what conflict actually means. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they turn these friendships into rivalries and the best part is the last sentence in that paragraph they fail to grasp why these characters were appealing in the first place (laughs) and who they appealed to hint it was often women yeah i like that about the article too that they kind of went down the list of the the um Mm -hmm. entities that had a large female following like man from uncle for example Uh, yes and it's like okay this was what the girls liked, but it can't have any girly stuff in it so now we have to make it grim dark so that the boys will like it yeah and but nobody likes it stop it just stop doing it nobody likes that stuff anymore does every male of a certain generation have these daddy issues uh i don't they're all working out in these crappy scripts i don't know I don't know if that is them or what they think is popular or it's just, it's very hard to say. Yeah. Very hard to say. Before we close our show, I wanted to read something from the Joan Winston book, which I thought was really relevant and basically mirrors exactly our experience at cons um, 40 years later. Okay. Okay. So she's talking about, uh, This con was in, I think, 75 or 76. Okay. She says, during that afternoon's interviews, uh, there were some men from Time Magazine were asking if they could set up in an empty room in our area. They wanted to interview interview fans and take some pictures. I went over to see them and noticed they were taking pictures of some young, uh, chubby, uh, large, oh, forget it, fans with funny hats and covered with (sighs) buttons and patches. I called him over and said, am I fat? He looked startled. I pointed to my helpers. Are they fat? He gulped and finally spoke. No. Then I said, why are you taking pictures like that and calling them, as I know you will, typical Star Trek fans? It's the rat lady effect. Yes. Because if that's all you see at this con and that's the kind of coverage you mean to do, you can leave right now. Oh, good for her. I was mad, good and mad. I was sick and tired of being pictured as a freak and a nut and a weirdo because of the biased and narrow-minded media coverage. This was our last con, and I could take off the kid gloves. I let him have it. He quickly assured me that that was not the story he was looking for. His editor wanted him to cover the convention from a pro angle since he, the editor, was a closet Trekkie. I winced. I do not care for the word Trekkie. It brings to mind little kids running down the aisle shrieking Spock and Kirk. We we talked for a while and I introduced him to several of the fans just hanging around. He admitted later he found them all intelligent and articulate and not fat. 
um, the photographer came over at that time and I suggested that they come back that night and see the fashion show and perhaps even the masquerade on Sunday. Um, the photographer did come back for both of these events and as a matter of fact he searched me out after the masquerade on Sunday to say how gorgeous the costumes were and how glad he was he was that I had suggested it. So I just, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh my God, nothing has changed in 40 no. years. It's exactly the same anytime we ever see coverage. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that when, you know, I got to talk to that one reporter at our room party, I, I just said it straight up. Like, that's what you're going to see. They're going to have pictures of the rat lady yep. and, you know, the, the really overweight fans with all the buttons on them. And, you know, they're going to look for the craziest people that they can find. And not just that they're the craziest people, that they're label them as typical fans. Yes. Yes. I am so glad that when we had the opportunity to actually talk to a member of the press for an extended period of time mm -hmm. because she was invited to our room party. Because <laughs> she was trapped in there with us. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know, she was looking for something to write about. And she even said she had heard all the fun was at the room parties, wanted mm -hmm. to go to one. But um, that, you know, you spent, I think, the entire party with her. And you are so articulate and can speak about these these topics so well i'm just so glad you did and i'm glad she wrote it up i'm th thank you and i'm glad too that that actually made it into the article and i wish there was just more meta discussion of that particular aspect of it because mm -hmm. you still see it you know when they cover comic-con and any of the other oh, cons yeah. that are around they always pick the craziest people like you know it's a freak show Yes. Even though all this stuff, even though Star Trek and comics is so mainstream now, they still manage, you know, to focus on the people who are at the fringes of it for let me ask shock you, value. Let me ask you this. When they, when the press covers, um, like the uh, Castro Halloween march, mm -hmm. it seems to me, and these happen in many cities now, that they no longer really cover it as look at the freaks, right? This is true, finally, yes. But Star Trek fandom is still look at the freaks. Yeah, I, I think it is, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I think it, it's, it's changing a little bit, especially because um, there's so much more than mainstream journalism now. So if you mm -hmm. look on, you know, io9 and, and BuzzFeed mm -hmm. and places like that, they're not going to focus on those people who are on the fringes. There's going to be people, articles by people who are in the fandom who know that it's mostly people who aren't dressed up and, and who have a genuine love for whatever the, the show or the comic or the movie happens to be. So but it's when they're written, sorry, it, it's just because in things that aren't mainstream press, the people who are writing it are more involved in it, where I think mainstream press is more people who are looking on it very much as the outsiders. Yes, that's what I was was going to say, you know. I would I would be stunned if a if a person involved in the fandom wrote a look at the freaks article um or shot a video or an interview that way. But when the uh the mainstream media does it, you know, they they uh yeah, it's still the look at the freaks thing. Yeah. And I kind I got that's another one of the reasons that um I like and respect Stephen Colbert. Is he he has fandoms he's really into. Lord of the Rings is one. Mm -hmm. But you know, like when he had 
Bill on his show, he said, you were so beautiful in that series. <laughs> you know, he's not afraid to, to show that adoration. Mm-hmm. And he now is a major media player. Yeah. You know, yep. people take his commentary and his comedy very seriously. Yeah. The, the people who um, are the fans have aged up enough so that they're mm-hmm. in those positions, which is kind of good. I mean, yes, yes, we're, very we're much. sort of like those people, even though we, we don't have are. any authority. <laughs> yes. And, and well, and, and you and I have a certain, I'm not saying they don't have the self-awareness, but we are not afraid to make fun of ourselves. Oh, yeah. You know, because I don't think, I never think of you and me as representing the fandom. <laughs> Or anything other and than just you and me. Exactly. Yes. As as some of the people on my other favorite podcast say, do not take our words as representing anyone but the two of us. Yes. And even that can shift over time. And some of the time we're just talking shit because that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. We're just throwing it against the wall. See if it sticks. See if it sticks. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep, just two friends on a Saturday afternoon talking yep. track. What could talking, be better? Talking about track and, and still loving it. What? Let's see. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember, did I watch Star Trek this week? I actually watched two episodes of Voyager because I was bored one night. I had nothing else to do. And, you know, Voyager, they <laughs> tried. They really tried. You know, the actors were trying, and they were just given such not good stuff to work with. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that it was bad like egregiously bad they weren't it wasn't that the episodes were like um you know the goddamn space hippies or anything they just weren't that interesting and they were so slow and and everything was sort of muted and Mm -hmm. and people having these quiet conversations like uh could something happen (laughs) could you please make (laughs) something happen speaking of watching shows i have some very exciting news (laughs) oh please share it okay you know i get Uh, cable service through my building right and I pay a little extra to get you know some better shows but I have never ever gotten a DVR because I went I'm not paying extra just to tape Jeopardy because it's on in the (laughs) middle of the afternoon here Uh well they negotiated a new deal and last week the installers came and we all got upgraded cable with free DVR oh that's great congratulations well so the guys here um, you know, setting it up for me, and he's like thinking he's showing me how it works. But um, he goes, so um, name an actor, and I went William Shatner, and he goes, click, click, click. Okay, now it's going to record everything William <gasps> Shatner's in. Holy and crap, that's amazing! Uh, I didn't know you could do that. Oh well, yeah, but my my uh, sister has one set for Eddie Izzard and for <laughs> Lin Manuel. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. I have not figured out, can I get it to not tape Star Trek and not tape Boston Legal? Oh, but yeah. right now, in the, the things that's taped that I have to go watch is a gun smoke. <gasps> oh, did we see a gun smoke with him? We today? did, but it's not this one. Oh, okay. Exciting. That's yes, very good. And I'm thinking, so it'll probably do those old game shows on the, the game show network. Oh, that's great. Oh, uh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, wow, so that's I, I can report good. back on some things that, you know, as they show up. Yes, please. Oh, that's great. Well, um, hey, technology actually worked for once, and it's doing a good job for us. So I'm, yes, I'm very yes. excited about that. Cool. So And now, you know, I come home from work every night. I walk the dog. I set up my dinner. And I watch Jeopardy at the time it should be on, <laughs> which is 6.30. That's right, after dinner. It, 
6.30 or 7. That's the only time. That, that is the only time, yes. I so agree. very exciting. Oh, so cool. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, that's really good. I'm glad about that. Yep. Oh, my God. We've been talking for a really, really long time, so we need to wrap this up now. Okay. Um, so, fans, it looks like we will have one more show before the end of the year, and we'll uh, have another present to talk about. So, please let us know if there's things you'd like us to discuss. Love to hear your theories about um, the end of Discovery and what you think about the Tarantino thing and uh, what you, you think is going to happen in the new year. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and uh, Moist and Mary Shatmus. Yes. Yes, of course. Shatmas is the very, very special time of year. Um, hopefully, Bill won't be setting his house on fire. <laughs> uh, what did he do? I think he smoked a turkey this Thanksgiving. Oh. Um, and he said, I saw him say on Twitter or something that uh, Liz made him get rid of the deep fryer. <laughs> The but deep she, fryer they showed us, it was out in the garbage yes. during that um, renovation show. That's correct, yes. That's so right, yeah. She Liz made him not get rid of that. it. Yeah. yeah. So smoked turkey this year. So who knows what he's going to do for Christmas. And we got to keep an eye out just in case that Christmas record does happen this year rather than <laughs> now, in 2018. I got real doubts about that, but that's okay. You never know. All right, Okay. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening. We love you so much. You're the most wonderful fans uh, that there could possibly be. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.